up? What's up? All right, so now that we've got that out of the way. Yeah, now that we was upped. Yeah. I think people should start doing that more. Yeah, we should bring it back, like, for real. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. That and, like, um, just all the old Budweiser commercials, like the three frogs, Budweiser. <laughs> Those, oh, those yeah, guys. Dude, that was a good one. Yeah. Was it Budweiser? You know what I for ran, I randomly started thinking about and like singing out loud at work the other day. It's um, totally impossible for me to know that. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I think this was a Bud Light commercial, but it was like uh, I love burritos at four a.m. Parties oh, that shit. never end and yeah, twins. Was, was that Budweiser? <laughs> I don't remember, dude. I just remember, and tweens. And I kept doing that at work the other day. And tweens. And tweens. <laughs> yeah, that, that's got to come back 100%. Yeah, yeah. If I, could, if I could resurrect one ad campaign, and I don't even fucking remember what product that was, if I could yeah. bring back one ad campaign, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, that's, yeah, 100%. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Okay, yeah. Welcome back to the Left on Red podcast. <laughs> to Left on Red. Yeah, welcome to Left on Red, the show that takes no prisoners and kicks every ass in the room twice. Nards fully shredded, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's Left on Red. Shit, yeah, brother. <laughs> Uh... Um, yeah, thanks for uh, coming back and uh, tuning in to part two of the History of the Kings of Britain, a monumentally stupid book um, that I've been having a lot of fun reading, Yeah, and I hope people are having, um, well, at least some fun listening to. Yeah, I was going to say, we're up against kind of a, a hurdle here, because part twos for us... This is our second part two. Yeah. They have historically been a difficult, uh, <laughs> well, a difficult tri- trial. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. We'll try to keep it below two hours this time, I guess. I don't even care. I think we should absolutely aim for two hours because these are really fun episodes yeah. to make, and I really like them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, um, but first, uh, before we get into anything, Mr. Cameron, would you like to do an ad spot? No. 
Okay, thanks for uh, thanks for the Asbot cam. Hey, um, no problem. <laughs> no, yeah, we do have one. Um, yeah. You ready? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm ready. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Dixon's Discount Dad Depot, your one-stop shop for all your new dad needs. Some of us are blessed with real great dads, dads that fit nicely into our lifestyles and complement our day-to-day -day dad needs. Hi, Dad. For those of us without the perfect dad, there's Dixon's Discount Dad Depot. Our premium line of organically raised and sustainably sourced discount dads come in every conceivable shape, size, orientation, and temperament. Here are just a few examples of our terrific dads. Looking for some structure and some rules in your life? Sounds like a job for shrewd disciplinarian dad. You're grounded, mister. For the music lover, there's stubbornly close-minded classic rock dad. Eric Clapton is the best guitarist ever, and that's all there is to it. Feeling like your other parent needs to be kept in check? Try yells inappropriately at spouse in public, dad. Because mom's had it too good for too long. And that's not all Dixon's has to offer. We also carry a full line of nutritious, proprietary dad chow in dry and wet formulas for the hungry dad on the go, as well as sporty dad wear, like golf shirts, white New Balance sneakers, reading glasses that you wear like a necklace that snap together magnetically, and more. We also carry grooming and hygiene tools, like nose hair trimmers and blood pressure medication, and dad toys to keep your new dad <laughs> stimulated and happy. Just check out our selection of factory refurbished riding mowers. Our dads are available in all price ranges, too. From platinum deluxe options, like cheats nonstop while traveling for business dad, all the way down to used dollar bin dads, like took out loans and credit cards in your name while you were a kid and destroyed your financial future, dad. And now, for a limited time, if you mention left on Reddit checkout, you'll receive 20% off, that's right folks, 20% off last year's top selling model. Frequently confuses his multivitamins and his Cialis, dad. He's a hoot. Dixon's Discount Dad Depot. For name brand dads at discount price. Come on down to Dixon's where the dads are nice. <laughs> Thanks, Dixon's. Yeah, yeah, I actually just got my uh, a package of dad toys in uh, earlier today, and it comes with these really nice Harley Davidson branded boat shoes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've always taken the stance, and I stand by this, that Harley Davidson gear is Hello Kitty for old men. <laughs> Like old white men, it's the exact, it's the same fucking thing. Just anytime I see a dad wearing his like 2016 Laconia, New Hampshire, blah, like, sorry yeah. man, yeah, that's Hello Kitty for dads. That is, li that I is Hello Kitty, father. Yeah, <laughs> you you are as lame to me as if you were wearing actual Hello Kitty. That's uh, how Hello I Kitty feel. Hello Kitty backpack, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, anyway, yeah, that's so that's our ad spot. Nice. Thanks. Thanks, Dixon. <laughs> yeah, Dixon's Discount Dad Depot. Yeah. All right, great. Yeah, nice. All right, yeah, so for today's episode, we'll be getting into uh, parts two and three of uh, the history of the kings of Britain. Uh, now these parts are called Before the Romans Came, and can you guess what the next one is? Um, this time it's personal? The Coming of the Romans. 
Fuck yeah. <clears throat> so so initially my plan my plan was to uh, do one more chapter after this, but this was actually already like 80 pages or something like that, and mm. I ended up writing a lot. And at first, I was getting much more granular with the detail, and then I realized it doesn't fucking matter. Like, these na- nobody's going to remember these names. I don't yeah. remember these names. Yeah. It's it's really, really quite amazing. And So what you're w- saying is the episode's going to start off, like, really in-depth and just get wildly, like, broad strokes by the end of it? Yep, yeah, we're just going to be... All right. Bada-bing, bada-boom, bada-bing, bada-boom. Your thought process down. is going to be really <laughs> noticeable. Yeah. All right. Um, and also, one of the things I really like about this is as you're reading it, there's occasionally footnotes from the translator, Lewis Thorpe, and you can tell, he gets, like, pretty sarcastic in some of them, where you can tell he's just, like, getting kind of fed up with, like, Jeffrey's bullshit. So it's actually really pretty funny. Like, when you get to, like, a certain point, and you can tell Jeffrey's just fucking bullshitting and forgets some of the things he bullshitted about before and then contradicts himself. (laughs) (laughs) And Lewis just, like, has this, like, really snarky footnote, like, pointing out. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like like I'd like to read this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think you'd enjoy it. And it's also written really stupidly. Like, some of it's very... It's always very, like, staccatic, and some of it, sometimes, like, it's just, like, very, like, brutally straightforward right? just stupid. But then he gets into these, like, also really, really long, like, like gory, like, sections. Like, I, I flagged one later that I actually thought was pretty cool, like, the prose. Maybe it's just the way it's translated, but I actually really liked it. Oh, so I'll read that, and that's, like, right at the end. Um... But yeah, so let's get into it. Hell yeah, man. I'm cock-locked and ready to rock. Yep. Part two of the history of the kings of Britain. All right, so, um, you know, last time we were talking, and I basically gave a little background about Jeffrey, that um, when he wrote this, uh, it's not really believed that he made it up. You know, there's a lot of different places that he could have gotten the information from it's not really necessary and you know there are some contemporaneous welsh uh, uh welsh sources although they're a little bit later than him but people think that you know they're not based off of jeffrey but that jeffrey was based off of just earlier versions of that doesn't really matter so there's that and then there was part one that we went over where um this dude named brutus who is a trojan uh just uh, just led his people across uh, Africa and then Europe and killed a bunch of Gauls and then went to Britain and beat the shit out of a bunch of giants and killed them and then settled. And that was basically part one. Yeah, man. And, and you'll notice that um, this is one of the areas where Jeffrey got it right because there are actually no more giants in Britain today. Yeah, so that's how you know this is true. Yeah. <coughs> absence yeah, of, if he was absence lying, of wouldn't giants. there be giants? Yeah. Absence of giants is evidence of the presence of Brutus. Yes, exactly. Um, so Brutus married this uh, this girl named Ignoge. Mm-hmm. And so we get to uh, before the Romans came. Um, so Brutus and Ignoge, they've been fucking. And they had three large adult sons. <laughs> Every man's dream. <laughs> yeah. So his three large sons were uh, <laughs> named Locrinus, Camber, and Albanactus. Oh, Camber. I wonder if that's yeah. like my distant ancestor. Well, Camber is uh, where um, the Welsh word for uh, Wales, like Kimru and Kimri, come from. Hmm. Uh, so, yep, so he's got Lucrinus, Camber, and Albanactus. Uh, Brutus would die uh, 23 years after his landing on Britain, and the large lads buried him in the walls of the town he founded. And if you'll remember, that's Trinovantum, or modern-day London. 
Um, so after this, they would divide the kingdom up between them. Locrinus, the eldest, inherited the part of the island that would be called Logria, known as, dude, I don't even like, Logier in medieval Welsh and likely corresponds to modern-day Eastern England. That, I, I remember learning how that double L is pronounced. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's like Shogir like or something like that. I don't Hilgear. know. I'm, I'm probably totally wrong about that. Shogir? Yeah. I remember <laughs> watching something, though, and it's like it's yeah. like a breathy Oh, kind you of... know what? Yeah, there's that insane um, that insane town Oh, yeah, like a fanfare, Plengulgulgri. Yeah, and I heard somebody pronounce it, and it did sound like they were going, like that. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Welsh is a banana's language. Yeah, it's it's crazy. All right, so that's Shogir. Uh-huh. Camber received the region on the west of the island that would become Wales, but was called Cam- uh, Cambria after him, with the people being called the Cambri. In Welsh, this was known as Kimru, and the people being the Kimri. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not exactly sure. but Yeah, that, well, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Al- Albanactus, the youngest, received Scotland, which at the time he called Albany. Mm. Uh, Alba is the Scottish Gaelic word for Scotland, and in Welsh it is Ir Alban. Alba Gubra. Something yeah. like that. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. This is so. Never mind. I was. You know what? I was really. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel for like an Albany, New York joke, but I don't. Just you think of it and workshop just, it during the during the episode, and you yeah. can come in at the end. So at at any time. Yeah, at any time you can interrupt me. With <laughs> this Albany joke. Well, I mean, I feel like I already do that. So. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the permission me. on episode thirteen. If, but. if you are going to interrupt me, which you will. I want that Albany joke. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so while the large boys lived in peace, Humber, the king of the Huns, landed in Albany. Okay, what? so I just Okay, so I just want you to know this is around like 1200 BCE. Right. So, Humber, the king of the Huns. Yeah. Uh, He's got this thing where like he loves the idea that all like people are kind of named after their like leaders. Yeah. And I feel like that's just him making things easy for himself to remember. Like, okay, so who was the leader of the Cambri? Oh, Camber. And 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 yeah. Lo- Locrinus is from Logria. And, yeah. And Albanactus, well, his kingdom's Albany. Oh, and I, here's the thing, dude. He does not give a fuck whatsoever about conflicting timelines. Yeah, because like, the Huns don't come around until, like, the 300s dude, AD, right? He's just like, and also, like, he'll take people where there's, like, documented evidence that they weren't alive at the same time. And he's like, ah, they were alive at the same time. Yeah. Like, like he has all this anachronistic shit. And it's, like, maddening because, like, you'll hear him talking about the Franks. And the Franks were, like, a late antiquity, early medieval peoples. And he's talking about them, like, 1,500 years right. BCE. And it's, uh, it's, like, maddening sometimes when you're like, I have no fucking clue what period of time we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, but to his credit, like, the entirety of his research was, like, his let me buddy. put it to you this way. <laughs> the entirety of his knowledge of British history yeah. is contained within this Word document that we're looking at right now. Like, he... yeah. He didn't have access to anything. He was just staring out into, like, a field of wheat just thinking of things. Like, it's probably Humber. Yeah. The king of the Huns. Yeah, as he's just, like, yes. milking a fucking sheep or something yeah. like that. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> milking a oh. sheep. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, oh. 
All right, so uh, the king of the Huns landed in Albany and killed our sweet boy, Albanactus, and it caused his people to flee to Locrinus. Okay. So Locrinus convinced Camber to ally with him, and the brothers marched with their armies out to the river Humber, where they fought Humber, <laughs> which I just put, like, at this point already, like, page one of the document, I put in parentheses, the fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> like... They fought. They went out to Humber to fight Humber, and they caused him to flee until he fell into the river and drowned. So Locrinus distributed the spoils among his allies and kept only some gold and silver for himself. And then, as Jeffrey adds, you know, incidentally afterwards, yeah, he kept some woman too. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, some. Yeah, you gotta get. You gotta keep something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so there were three women seized by old Locrinus, and those being. The daughter of the king of Germany, whom Humber had seized along with the other two while sacking the countryside. Her name was Astrildis. Locrinus was enamored with the paleness of her white skin and was completely smitten and asked her to marry him. Hell yeah. Again, this is the king of Germany in like, you know, like 1300 BCE or something. I love how, I love how, um, I love how altruistic Locrinus is when he's like, oh, wow, so this guy kidnapped you from, like, your home and, like, brought you over here to this place and, like, God killed him and I set you free. Well, um, luckily, so, lucky for you, you're with me now. So I'm going to just, I'm going to keep you now. Yeah. You're never going home. Yeah. Uh, so, well, old Corinius, and you remember him as the guy who beat the sh uh, giants. Sure. In uh, the first part. So Corinius was still kicking around, and this pissed him right the fuck off, since Lacrinus was supposed to marry Corinius's daughter. So he went to Lacrinus and said thus, These then, Lacrinus, are the rewards you offer me in exchange for all the wounds which I have received through my allegiance to your father at the time when he was waging war with unknown peoples. My daughter is to be passed over, and you are to demean yourself to the point where you will be prepared to marry some barbarian woman or other, you will not do this unpunished, as long, that is, as strength is left to this right hand of mine, which has torn the joy of living from many a giant up and down the Tyrrhenian shores. Wow. So he's fucking pissed. Uh, he bellowed this repeatedly at Lacrinus while just swinging an axe around. So did he repeat it verbatim? Because that's pretty impressive. Yeah, hey, man, that's what Jeffrey says, yeah. That's he was I there. Mean, I think I could probably come pretty close, but I don't think that I could say that twice in a row from memory. <laughs> he must have been yeah. pretty mad. Yeah, yeah, he was a mad guy, yep. Uh, so then some friends uh, talked sense into Locrinus, and Locrinus was like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, and he married Corinius' daughter, Gwendolyn. However, he still wants some of, some of that Astrolus coochie, so he dug a cave, a cave beneath <laughs> Trinavantum. girl. <laughs> This poor woman. So he dug a cave beneath Trinavanto. He's just going to keep her in a fuck cave. And she gets rescued there. from the king of the Huns, and he's like, perfect. I've got just the cave for you, you white, beautiful yeah, creature. Yeah, got down here. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. So, so, he, <laughs> and, and, um, so he shoves her in this cave beneath Trinavantum, yeah. and he gets some servants and orders them to treat her with honor, you know, like the cave demands, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he could sneak away and meet her whenever. She was kept down there for seven years in secret. 
living in a cave, oh and God. she had a daughter named Habrin. Things must have gotten pretty, pretty Gollum-esque down there. Yeah, dude, just fucking, just this dirty, dank fuck cave below London. Oh, my God. Uh, so Gwendolyn also gave birth to a son named Madden, uh, who was sent to Corinius for training. And that's where the originator of football video games yeah. Yeah, that Comes is the from. John Madden. <laughs> the original <Yeah>. Madden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John John Madden is actually a title, yeah. 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 The great John Madden. The, yeah. The oh. first John Madden. <laughs> it's like Caesar, like all the successive Maddens yeah. take the title John. Yeah. Alright. Um. <sighs> yeah, so, uh, anyway. Um, so, again, he gives this, like, bastard cave child to, <laughs> to the father of his wife. So, oh, so, man. It's, like, so depraved. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, so, eventually, Corinius dies, and Lacrinus deserted Gwendolyn to take Estrildis as his queen. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. Madden wasn't the bastard cave child. Madden was Gwendolyn's kid. Yeah. Never mind. Okay, yeah, never mind. Uh, the, the, the cave child was Habrin, mm-hmm. the daughter. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Corinius dies, and Lucrinus deserts Gwendolyn. He's like, all right, now I can be with my, my cave queen in, in, in public. And he takes Astraldus as his queen. Gwendolyn, obviously slighted that she just got passed over for a fucking golem, uh, she pissed off to Cornwall and then began haranguing Locrinus at the border with skirmishes. Eventually, they fought a battle at the River Stour, and Locrinus was killed by an arrow. So, uh, all right, well, there goes him. Yeah, pour, pour one out for a real one. Yeah, yeah, real nice guy. Good you on know. you, Locrinus. So Gwendolyn took control of the kingdom and had Habrin and Astrildis thrown into a river and drowned. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, so this so, like really? poor woman, like her whole life was just like being kidnapped and then kidnapped again and then shoved in a cave yep. and then some lady she's never met is like, so you're the one, and then just drowns <laughs> you're her and her kid. Cave woman. Yeah, and I really Ugh. like that the daughter Habrin is kind of like a red herring. Mm-hmm. Like she's just in the story. Yeah, it's like, oh, and then he had a daughter by Astrildis, and you're thinking, like, oh, shit, something's going to happen, but then the two I thought of them she was going to marry his yeah. real son in, like, a weird Oedipus thing, and that was going to yeah. be the first king and queen of England or something. Yeah, this, like, weird inbred cave couple. And that's why they still marry their relatives to this day. Yeah. <laughs> a fine tradition of incest. Yep. Um, but no, no, she just gets tossed into a river with her mom. Fuck yeah. Um, and uh, now this river uh, is called Habrin in the British language, uh, but was corrupted to Sabrina in, and this is why it says, quote, the other tongue. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, is that... Sp- I, I don't know what tongue he's talking about. Is that about, supposed but, to be like the Saxon language, maybe? Dude, I don't know. It doesn't say. Hmm. Um, but you can tell he doesn't like that language. <laughs> yeah, whichever one it, it is, he's not a fan. It corrupted to Sabrina in that uh, Maybe that it tongue. was cro- crooked Greek. Yeah, crooked Greek, yeah. 
So Gwendolyn ruled for 15 years until John Madden came of age, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he took over, and Gwendolyn was like, all right, cool, I'm going back to Cornwall, and she rules there. And now in the book, it decides to give you a little time reference, and it says, at this time, the prophet Samuel reigned in Judea, Aeneas Silvius was still alive, and Homer was considered to be a famous rhetorician and poet. Uh, so the story is currently in circa like eleven hundred to one thousand BCE. Okay. Um. So John Madden had two sons, uh, Mamprecius and Malin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the motherfucker ruled for forty years, and oh. this is like one of the things as you're reading all this pre-Roman shit, which is especially funny when he's talking about the Romans and the period of time that they're ruling is very short. Yeah. But you know, a thousand years before that, these motherfuckers were ruling for like thirty to forty years on average. Mm-hmm. Um. And so he rules for 40 years, and then Memprecius, one of the two sons, kills mm-hmm. the other one, Malin, in order to take the kingdom. Uh, and he was basically just like a rotten, filthy little lecher uh, that killed everyone and was completely hated. And he had an awesome son named Abraucus. Um, so Memprecius ruled for 20 years, and then he was just kind of like eaten by wolves one day. Oh. <laughs> he does. There's no story there? No, he was just like kind of like out in the woods, and yeah. a bunch of wolves ate him. And then a bunch, and then he's eaten by wolves. It's like okay, great. Um, wow. So tough now, look. At, yeah. So now at this time, uh, Saul is ruling in Judea, and Eurysthenes in Sparta. So we're still roughly 1000 BCE, maybe like a little bit before. And now, wouldn't you know, another long reign. Our boy Abracus ruled for 39 years. Like Brutus and the first Cinti, Abracus fucked up some Gauls on the mainland. He then founded the city of Cairbrock on the far side of the Humber. Uh, Cairbrock would become the Roman city of Aboricum, uh, the site of two Roman emperors' deaths, Septimius Severus and Constantius Chlorus. Uh, today, the city is known as York. Nice. Uh, I don't remember Constantius Chlorus. Is he like a later emperor? He's Constantine's father. Oh, I just didn't know the... I guess I knew Constantius, but yeah, I yeah. didn't remember Chlorus. <clears throat> yep. There you go. Right, so another update. King David was now reigning in Judea, and Silvius Latinus was king in Italy. And Israel, Gad, Nathan, and Asaph were the prophets. Okay. All right. So now our boy Ben fucking. Uh, he had 20 wives, uh, 20 sons, and 30 daughters. And I wrote down all of them because yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go through every right. single one and of these. Here are their names. Do okay, them fast. So, do them fast. Okay. Here are the names. The boys. Brutus Greenshield, Margadut, Cecilius, Regin, Morbid, Bloodud, Lagan, Budloin, Kinkar, Spaden, Gaul, Darden, Eldad, Eivor, Kangu, Hector, Karen, Rude, Asarakis, and Buell. Nice, Buell. Now, Love it. Okay, yeah. now the ladies. And now the ladies. Gloigen, Ignigen, Udus, Ginlian, Gordad, Angarad, Gwynlado, Tungustal, Gorgon, Medlin, Methahel, Orar, Maelor, Cambrida, Regan, Gale, Ecube, Nest, Chine, Stadudad, Cladis, Ebrine, Blangan, Abalak, Angoes, Galeas, she was supposed to be super hot, Edra, Anor, Stadaliad, and Egron. Now, one of the things I noticed while I was reading these, these really made me think of the, the dwarves and the hobbit. Yeah. First of all, because there's only one with two names, and that's Brutus Greenshield, like Thor and Oakenshield. Yeah. And then there's And then Gl- there's Gorgon, who's like glowing. Glowing. Yeah. There's one called Gorgon, like Medusa. Yeah. One of the ladies. And I then, mean, there's uh, straight up one called Gaul. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, there's Gale, uh, yeah. G-A-E-L, is one of the ladies, which yeah. is like an old term for any of, like, the Celtic peoples of the yeah. British Isles. 
Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing uh, J.R.R. Tolkien obviously definitely like read this book. Yeah. And he was probably inspired by this when it he came was to the a, a professor of um, the Saxon language. He spoke. Yeah. Uh, he like was fluent in in like old English and uh, yeah, or Anglo-Saxon I should say. But yeah, yeah he he spoke old English and uh, taught it. And so, like, a lot of his naming came from that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, dude, Brutus Greenshield. And, like, a little <laughs> side note, did you know that, like, and obviously he was constantly, like, retconning things and adding things to the stories, but um, in his, like, revised, like, final published edition of Lord of the Rings, there's all these um, appendices to the book, mm. and they describe how, like, none of the names listed, with the exception, I think, of the uh, Elvish and the... Um, like the the Rohirrim, but all of mm-hmm. the like common tongue names are like not their actual names. So the hobbits mm-hmm. had like their own language, and so yeah. none of them were supposedly actually called what he calls them in the book. They were translations mm-hmm. from like to convey the same themes. So anyway, mm-hmm. I don't remember what any of them are, but apparently Frodo Baggins is called like Floppy Boppy or something. I don't fucking know, but it's not <laughs> it's not Frodo Baggins. Yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah, it's dude. The mythology of Lord of the Rings is so yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, we could go on for forever, so I'll have to cut that short now. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but although I do love talking that, Um, so yeah, these are all amazing names, by the way. So you know, if uh, if you have any pets that you're looking for a name for, might I suggest Glowegian? This is my dog Dardan. Yeah, this is my goldfish and Garad. (laughs) (laughs) I might actually name my my firstborn son Buell. Buell. <laughs> I like the name Buell. Or Brutus Greenshield. Yeah, Brutus Greenshield's great. Yeah. That's a pretty legit name. And I like how there's just a Hector thrown in, you know? Yeah. Right well, after they are Trojans. Kangu, they are right Trojans. Right after Kangu, though. dude. Yeah, he was um, just... so yeah anyway, anyway, some of these, uh, a lot of these kids married into other prominent European families and became rulers. So this um, this line of freaks and, and lepers and weirdos... Um, Came to rule all of Europe, which really makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Brutus Greenshield became king and ruled for 12 years. Lael succeeded him and built the city of Carlisle in the north, which is now known as Carlisle. Hmm. Uh, so at this time, Solomon was building the Temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, and Silvius Epitus, quote, succeeded his father Alba in the kingship of Rome. Of course, Rome doesn't yet exist, and Geoffrey is definitely referring to Alba Longa. And in Roman mythology, Silvius Epitus is Atis. Okay. So, as you can see, he, he, he doesn't give a shit what the fuck he calls things, as long as you sort of get the gist and where it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Lael ruled for 25 years before his son, and this is my favorite one in the entire story. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. <laughs> Rudhud Hudibras. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> took over for 39 years. That's three uh, names for everybody. It's Rud or Rude, Rude Hood. I want to say it's Rude Hood Hudibras. yeah. Rudhud Hudibras. I I have probably <laughs> said this in every like different pronunciation I yeah. can think of, maybe like a hundred times oh since I've God. been reading this book because it is amazing. That's it's a by great far name. like it's like my favorite name I've ever seen. Rudhud Hudibras. <laughs> yeah, three words. Rudhud yeah. Hudibras. <laughs> and uh, so he built the cities of Canterbury, Winchester, and Shaftesbury. Oh, Rudhud Hudibras. Oh, it's so good. Uh, now, he was succeeded by his son, Bladud, who was a leper, and he built the city of Bath, thinking the hot baths cured him. 
Uh, now, despite being a leper, he ruled for 20 years. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a big fan of necromancy. As you and he know. thought he f- and he thought he does. I love this story. He thought he found a way to fly after constructing wings for himself. But when he jumped off a building, he crashed into the temple of Apollo and splattered like a tomato. Nice. <laughs> so I guess that's leprosy, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it'll make you make kooky decisions. But yeah, just like leapt off with a bunch of wings. Probably a bunch of people like I don't think you yeah. should be doing that, blood dude. It's not a good idea. And, you know, he just crashes into a temple and just absolutely, like, melts. I think it's hilarious that they had a temple of Apollo there. Yeah. I mean, there were Trojans. Trojans they were Trojans, Apollo, I guess. Though. Uh, yeah, Still Mediterranean. Know. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, maybe they worshipped Apollo. I'm sure there's yeah, a in the Yeah, uh, in, um, in the Iliad, they talk yeah. about, which is obviously, like, a Greek myth but yeah. they talk about the temple of apollo in troy yeah it's probably um, just a different name that they yeah use, the, but still. the something like, i think achilles sacks the temple of apollo and that's like yeah, the beginning of his that. downfall yeah he's like yeah, exactly, desecrates yeah. the temple something like that yeah so he gets smited mm. um so lear took over and he ruled for fucking 60 years uh guess what city he built Lester. Lester. Uh, he had three daughters Gonrel, Reagan, and Cordelia that he divided the kingdom for initially, but he got pissed at Cordelia and chose not to give her any of it. It was basically, he was like really like needy and annoying, and he had been like, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking about giving kingdom away to you and your sisters. <laughs> and the other two sisters were, you know, groveling at his feet, telling him how much he loved them. And Cordelia could tell that there were little snakes in the grass. Mm. And she basically, just to try to show that that's what they were doing, she was like, I love you only as uh, in so much as that you have this land. Yeah. And it was a weird, weird gambit, and it didn't pay off. And he was like, get the fuck off my island. So is this, so this is King Lear. Uh, yeah, this, this is, is King Lear this is, and his three daughters. This is like the, the, the basic story of like the sh- yeah. that Shakespeare's based on. Yep, King the Lear three and his three daughters. Goneril, yeah. Regan, and Cordelia. Yep. And so uh, so he married her to a Frankish king. Again, these are Franks in like 900 BCE. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name was Agonippus. So the other two daughters' husbands uh, rebelled. So they were just like, ooh, he just splits it between the two of them. He marries them to some dukes. And... Uh, and they're all just like, all right, now let's get rid of this fucking old guy and take this shit for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So they rebelled, <clears throat> and they took the kingdom while Lear is old. Uh, so he raced off to Gaul and set refuge with Cordelia, who took him in. Uh, with their help, Lear took an army to Britain and led their charge to retake the island from his sons-in-law. Soon thereafter, he passed away, and the realm passed to his daughter Cordelia. However, the two sons of the now-dead dukes, Marganus and Cunidagius, rose up in rebellion and, and defeated Cordelia, uh, who killed herself in prison. Uh, these two split the island in half, with Marganus in the south and Cunidagius in the north. Um, <clears throat> so Marganus became indignant at not having the entire island under his command, and so he warred with Cunidagius, but was defeated and killed in Wales at a site Geoffrey claims is now called Margon by the country folk. I couldn't find anything corroborating that there's a place called Margon. Mm. Uh, so Cunidagius ruled for 33 years. It's now at this point that Geoffrey first mentions Rome's being founded by Romulus and Remus, even though he mentioned it earlier in the narrative as there being a king of Rome. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Uh, there was the, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, Geoffrey. Uh, so there was a succession of kings that Geoffrey has no information on other than their still Latin-esque names. Now, I know this is like technically like 
they're Latinizing a lot of it into the English translation. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's funny that there's totally not at all Latin-sounding names, like Rudhid Hudibras. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's just, like, a bunch of very Latin-esque names, uh, which I don't write down. Um, the only one that isn't is this dude named Jago. Isn't Jago one of the characters in... Uh... Uh, a Song that of Ice Mor and Fire? No, that Mortal Kombat ripoff game. Uh, you know, Killer Instinct. I'm not sure. I've never played it. I think there was like a Cal Jago, though. In, yeah, uh, that sounds about a right. A Song of Ice and Fire. So anyway, it culminates in this dude named Gar uh, Gorbaduk, who is the father of twin son, or uh, father of sons, Ferex and Porex. Hmm. Which, those both sound like um, under-the-sink chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Porex, so, 20 mule team. Yeah. Uh, so they quarreled over who should succeed Gorbaduk, and Ferex was killed in battle at the head of a Frankish invasion force. Their mother, Judon, became so enraged at Porex, or Porex that she hacked him to pieces. Well. Motherly love. Yeah, don't piss off mom. Yeah. So Jeffrey then says the island came under a protracted civil war, as if that's not the entire story so far. And, yeah, that seems pretty common. So, after this, the island was partitioned into five kingdoms under five different kings. Dunvalo Mulmutius uh, would come out on top, including at one point disguising himself and his men as enemy soldiers after a battle to sneak into camp and kill two of the opponent kings. Now, Dunvalo Mulmutius created the Mulmutine Laws. In Welsh, his name is Diffenwal Mulmud, a.k.a. Diffenwal the Bald and Silent. <laughs> 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 um, I love that fucking name. Uh, so, a Welsh 18th century antiquarian and poet named Edward Williams, who I shit you not, went by the name Yolo Marginwug. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, forged these laws and claimed to have discovered them. Uh, his forgeries really seem to encapsulate enlightenment thought, so, you know, there's just like a bunch of shit about like life and liberty and property and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So you can tell it's probably not way, written. Like, way ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, so Jeffrey does give some examples of the Momutine laws, you know, the ones that weren't made by YOLO. Um, and these include things like fugitives seeking refuge in temples must be pardoned of their crimes. So another heavy hit in rain length done Valor rules for 40 years. He had a couple sons, Belinus and Brennius. Now, there are stories of other Brennuses in ancient history. I remember you mentioned this last time. Yeah. So I did so get some information on this. So there are stories of other Brennuses in ancient history, including a Gallic chieftain named Brennus that sacked Rome in the 4th century BCE, and one that tried to settle in Greece in the 3rd century BCE. There's apparently some thought that perhaps Brennus was a title. Mm -hmm. um, but by all accounts, this Brennus that sacks Rome may or may not kind of be related, but probably isn't mm -hmm. related to the actual Brennus that did. Because yeah. uh, it does, it is supposed to happen like a few hundred years before. But also, he sucks with time, so. Uh, now, there is something really funny, some more A Song of Ice and Fire stuff, where um, it talks about somebody named Bran the Blessed, who was apparently a giant and king of Britain and Welsh mythology. And this is possibly the same person as this Brennius. Uh, also, apparently, Bran. Uh, means crow in Welsh, so that's an Easter egg for A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, with hmm. Bran Stark, the oh, three-eyed yeah. crow. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so, Belinus and Brennius went to war with each other to control the island, but a treaty was signed that made Belinus the king and Brennius have autonomy over some parts of the north. 
Brennius eventually went to Norway and married the daughter of the king. Bolinus heard this and seized Brennius' territory, and on Brennius' return trip, he was waylaid by the Danes, whose king desired Brennius' new wife. They were all caught in a squall and carried to Britain. Bolinus and Brennius warred again, but Brennius was defeated and fled the island on a single ship. The Danish king was allowed to leave Britain with his new girlfriend, so he, he, he got the wife. His consolation prize. Yeah. Yeah, women are really taking some L's in this story. Absolutely. Very <laughs> like transactional just, relationships with all the ladies going on. Yeah, there. yeah, it's just like just a constant string of L's for them. No, not a not a very enlightened time period. No, no, not at all. Yeah, these guys were probably really into like Tucker Max. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. Remember that fucking guy, dude? Yeah. And, uh, what was also, that book? Uh, uh, I hope they serve beer and beers hell. in hell. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh. uh, who is that other wicked online douchebag, Maddox, with the um? Oh the yeah, <laughs> I remember being like thirteen and thinking Maddox was really funny. Yeah. Um, so did uh. Yeah. I mean, so did uh, uh our mutual friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I remember like years later rediscovering it and being like, "What the f like? Why did I think this was so yeah. great?" Oh, dude. And I like, even then like yeah, I would laugh at. It. And then like just like two years later, it was like this dude is insufferable. Yeah. What I, is wrong? Yeah. Like much of that stuff, uh, it did not age well. I feel like pretty much anything that I found really funny. Between yeah. the ages of like thirteen and like fifteen or sixteen, I just like insufferable. I yeah, yeah, and I've, I've anything that I was into before that I like still find funny. So like I still like the Muppets, yeah. you know, things oh, yeah. like that. Muppets but is great. Yeah, the Muppets are hysterical. But th there's like that unique little period, you know. Like I've tried going back and watching uh, Homestar Runner. And oh, see, Homestar Runner is still cool. Oh, it's great and it's endearing. I don't like dislike yeah. it, but it, I used to cackle at that show mm -hmm. and I don't know it just mm -hmm. anyway. yeah <laughs> oh I know let's get down to blast <laughs> <laughs> right. I was born in a test tube oh no I was born that's it I was yeah. born I'm sorry well, I improved on your methods a little bit I added some chiaroscuro and shading I'll improve on your methods <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was born in a test too. Alright, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right there, uh, Strong Bad. There's a, what is that, Coach C? Great Jorb. <laughs> Great Jorb. Coach C's been drinking this to wean. Anyway, uh, so Bolinus then codified his father's Malmutine laws as he ruled the entire island. So Brennius would hop around Gaul before marrying the daughter of Duke Segnius of the Allobroges. Mm -hmm. uh, the Duke loved him and named him his heir. Like, he just loved this dude who yeah. was laying pipe on his daughter so much. He was like, dude, you're, you're definitely my heir. <laughs> and uh, Brennius would inherit the throne on his death. Uh, so it's also at this point that I want to say, like, obviously these are, like, medieval titles. Like, Duke comes from the Latin Dukes. And right. <clears throat> these... um. He just, like, interchanges. Like, just uses these all over the place. Like, there are kings that answer to kings at certain parts. Um, but really, uh, you know, I'm assuming by duke, Jeffrey really means, like, a chieftain. Yeah. Because, again, these these are just, like, Germanic peoples. Like, regional guys, warlords, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Brennius, of course, would build... Um, would build him his strength before ta or build up his strength before taking the force of his new kingdom to the coast of Normandy, 
and from there he would invade the island of Britain. Now stop me if you've heard the story of a French duke invading the island of Britain from Normandy before. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll stop you if I've heard it. <laughs> uh, so before they could do battle, however, the boy's mother ran onto the field to see Brennius. Stop. I've heard that before. Uh, William the Conqueror. That's right. Yeah, William <laughs> right. the Bastard, Duke William, of Normandy. William the Bastard, Lebatard. Guillaume yeah. <laughs> uh, Lebatard. <laughs> So, um, so this is re the really psychotic scene. Uh, so before Brennius and Bellinus could do battle, their mother ran onto the field and just bared her breasts to Brennius, <laughs> like just boom, dumped them out. Uh, and this insane speech is what followed. Remember, my son, <laughs> remember these breasts, which you once sucked. Remember <laughs> remember the womb of your mother in which the creator of all things fashioned you as a man-child from stuff that was not yet human, bringing you forth into the world while the birth pangs tore at her vitals because of you. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the pep talk. All right, Mom, can I say that I remember and we just move on from this? <laughs> remember uh, these breasts, which you once sucked. Yeah, dude, like, what Ugh. the fuck, Mom? Like, that sucks. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> Mom! This is my friends! You're embarrassing my friends. me! <laughs> uh, so Son, anyway, this... remember my womb! <laughs> God damn, dude. Uh, so anyway, the speech goes on for an entire page, but that's the best part. Um, she ba The rest, she basically tells him to stop being a spoiled brat. He has his own kingdom now. Uh, for what purpose does he still want to control Britain? Which, I gotta say, it's other than the really weird beginning... Not a bad sales pitch. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's like, oh, yeah, damn, Ma, you're right. Um, so the two brothers then embrace and agree to put their forces together to conquer all of Gaul. So like, yeah, let's stop killing each other. Why don't we just get these barbarians? Absolutely. So they fairly evilly, uh, easily ravaged the entire countryside, and they subjugated all of the Gallic territories. They then set their sights on Italy and Rome. So during this invasion, Geoffrey claims that Rome is under the rule of the consuls Gabius and Porcena. However, this should be around the year 700 BCE, hmm. uh, when Rome was still a kingdom. Um, there's also no mention of consuls by those names ruling in the same year together. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, now it was still a kingdom. So Brennius and Bellinus's father, Denvalo Mamutius, was alive when Rome was founded, according to Geoffrey. So it's kind of like gives you a hint of when it is. Mm -hmm. Now, Porcena's name may be related to Lars Porcena, an Etruscan king that fought the new Roman Republic 200 years in the future from when we are now. Right. That was in the 500s. So, but nonetheless, uh, the Romans paid tribute to the British so that they would leave them alone, and then the British marched on to Germany. Great story, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Romans... Actually, we, we, we beat the Romans first, like, before... Uh, we beat them before they even um, before they even beat us, so... Yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, maybe... So just maybe think of that next time. Yeah, after, you know, when the Romans finally did come to Britain, it was just, like, a bunch of barbarians sitting in thatched huts drinking, like, fertilized sheep's milk or some yeah. shit. Like, Which, as just... we have previously discussed, they liked... <laughs> They liked. They liked to sit and milk their sheep while they. Yeah, that was the common usage of the British sheep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would keep milking those sheep. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, the Romans broke the treaty and marched on the British. So Bellinus chose to tackle the Germans while Brennius marched back to Rome. 
The Romans then decide to quickly try to get back to Rome and beat Brennius, so Bellinus disengaged from the Germans and laid an ambush for the Romans, easily defeating them. Brennius, meanwhile, laid siege to Rome, and Bellinus followed on his heels. While Rome was being bludgeoned by the brothers, Gabius and Porcena got word to the city that they were en route, and the Romans came storming out of the gates as the consuls appeared. While initially the Romans were, uh, were winning, eventually the British brothers persevered and sacked the city. Brennius would stay in Italy and rule with an iron fist, which Geoffrey ne neglects to discuss as it is already known to history. No, it isn't. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Nobody else has ever talked about this guy, Geoffrey. Uh, Bellinus <laughs> would return to Britain and rule in peace. Now, Bellinus was succeeded by his son, Gergwit Barbtruk, <laughs> who was supposedly Jesus. modest and wise. Yeah. Uh, so the Danes rebelled against the Britons, refusing to continue paying tribute, so Gergwit sailed to Denmark and laid waste to the Danes, forcing them to once more pay This is tribute. just revenge porn. He's like, yeah, we actually, yeah. we beat the Romans, we beat oh, the dude, Danes, yeah. we beat... We were all... just kicking everybody's ass it's before like a, they it's kicked like, ours. Yeah, like a fanfic where you put all your bullies into it, yeah. and then you just talk about how you, like, beat the shit out of them. I, yeah, actually, before the Dane law, we were kicking their asses. Yeah. Yeah, this long was, before. This was a long time ago. They, yeah, yeah, they went to a different school. We, <laughs> you, yeah, you wouldn't know these Danes. They're from they're from a different town. Yeah, there's different ones. Um, so then Jeffrey then tells the tale. Oh, wait, uh, just a brief aside. Wait until he starts getting into Ireland, because oh, man, I bet, I bet there's some justifications for the treatment of the Irish. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So Jeffrey then tells a tale that resembles Nennius' story of the Scots arriving in Ireland. Oh, yeah, this is where it happens, yeah. Scots arriving in Ireland from Spain, from his Historia Britona. In Jeffrey's version, a leader named Pertholoim is looking for somewhere to settle with his people that were expelled from Spain, the people being the Basilenses. Since Ireland was, according to this history, completely uninhabited at this time, Gergwit uh, settled the Basilenses in Ireland, and these people became the Irish. Gwithelin uh, took the throne after Gergwit with no mention of relation. So, I don't know. It just suddenly goes to Gwithelin. Mm. Now, not much is mentioned of Gwithelin other than his wife, Marcia, or Marcia, or whatever, who came up with the Lex Martiana, also known as the Mercian Law, which King Alfred translated into the Saxon tongue, according to Geoffrey. In reality, the Code of Laws was called the Doom Book, the Dombok. Uh, which was compiled from various Saxon codes. And this was like in like 600, 700 mm -hmm. CE, so way in the future. Uh, Marcia continued to rule after Gwithelin's death in lieu of his son, the young Sicilius. So at this point, Geoffrey just starts fucking rattling off kings with little to no story. Like, it's just like bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom, bada bing. Yeah. Like he's just fucking telling the names with nothing. And, and there um, was. Then there was. Bingling Dombadoc and his yeah. son Grom, and then Grom's son <laughs> Balatrask Numdernon, and then yes, his and son Gorillion, <laughs> his son Benedict Cumberbatch, and then his yeah. son Trim, and then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so he's just fucking going on and on. Um, but there was uh, there was a particularly cruel king named Morvidus who was eventually eaten by a sea monster that appeared out of the Irish Sea and ravaged the countryside. Yeah, man. So there's also the story of the crown passing uh, back and forth between five brothers, a story I will spare as is mostly boring and would be confusing since not much is said about any of them. Uh, one of the brothers had three different stints, however. 
That's really funny. It's <laughs> just like, just like out of nowhere. It's just like, and then five brothers. And so brother one was king, but then it went to brother three. Brother yeah. three lost, and then brother two was king, and then went back to brother three. Brother three's got the crown. He's got the crown. He's got the crown. Oh no! Here comes brother four. Brother four's four, got the four, crown. Four, We're looking four, for four. Four, 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 four is coming in hot. Coming in. Oh, brother five. Brother five, come from behind. He's got the crown. Back to brother one. Back to brother one. And then we're gonna go back to brother two. Yeah. Brother two and brother one. Brother two. Brother one. Brother two. Brother one. Brother four. <laughs> and the winner is brother five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like a stupid as hell story, but um, yeah. He's anyway, got to fill so, out. He's he's looking for filler at this point. Yeah, you really. Yeah, you can tell yeah. when he's getting to the end of of chapters. Yeah, because it just turns into this. Um, so then at 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 this point, it is literally just paragraphs of names being tossed out. One after the other, as this line of kings and brothers and cousins and uncles and nephews is just branching out and hopping from line to line. There's a lot of ma uncle magic afoot going on here. Although yeah, Jeffrey like talks, uh, he talks about how Trina Vantum comes to be called Carelude, then Carelunden, and then London, and eventually Lundras. Hmm. I don't know when it was Lundras. It's still London, Jeffrey. I'm sure, do you think that he was like influenced by like the Old Testament because? It, I mean, a lot of this sounds kind of like like the first couple books of the Bible where then it's just like, and then such and such son of such and such lived yeah. for 90 years, and then such and such son of such and such lived for 80 years. And it just does, it's like that for like pages and pages. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Like I said, at this part, it's literally just like paragraphs of names. And you're like, why are you subjecting me to this? Mm. Um, and so finally the line passed to Cassivellaunus, who treats his nephews well with large tracts of land. So, uh, his nephews were the son of the previous king, Lud. And so it's a, a lot... Of, this is awesome part, dude. It's a lot of really cool uncle magic going mm -hmm. on. It's just an, an, an uncle and his two cool nephews. Yeah, having an absolute <laughs> blast with their big tracts of land. Yeah, yeah, dude. Just huge tracts of land. Uh, so it would be Casavallanus that led the defense of the island from Caius Julius Caesar. Nice. Is, so is Casavallanus uh, historically attested? Um, like, was he an actual British tribal leader? Uh, we don't yes, have to... yeah, because uh, Julius Caesar talks about him in uh, his commentary de Bello Gallico. Yeah, that's what I was... I actually yeah. have that. I should do Me an too. episode on that. I, I was thinking about that, too. You can do yeah. the episode if you want. No, it's whatever. Also, yeah, I gave you your copyright because you have the Oxford one. Yes, that's right. It's, it's You wanted a different translation, and so you gave yeah. me your yeah. shittier translation. Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just I assumed yeah. that was your reasoning. No. Just being, I just, just I, being nice? No, because I like to have the... I just like the penguin ones, mm. and I bought that one accidentally. It was Oxford, so I like the way the bindings don't look on their penguin on my bookshelf. That was literally the reasoning. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so anyway, now we go to uh, the next chapter, The Coming of the Romans. So now the narrative shifts to Caesar after he has conquered Gaul and comes to the shores across the English Channel from Britain. So Geoffrey quotes Caesar as discussing Cassivellaunus's kingship and the British people as being descended from Troy like the Romans. Hmm. Listen, we have 
Julius Caesar's first person narrative yeah. of this exact moment and this shit don't fucking go down like it's that. Not, yeah, it's not in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is not how I understand it happens. Yep, <laughs> and commentary on the Battle of Gallico by Caesar. Uh, although, to be clear, I haven't read it yet. I just read some like synopses of this. Well, just double-checking. Uh, but from my understanding, Kesavalaunus is a chieftain, not no fucking king, and uh, he was given command of the combined British forces, and this is in Caesar's telling, with no mention of Trojans. Mm. So Caesar demands tribute from Britain, not wanting to war with them, but is rebuffed by Kesavalaunus, and being rebuffed, Caesar prepared a fleet to depart for Britain and landed his army at the River Thames. So Casavallanus then marshaled his troops and, mar- and marched south with a retinue, including his aforementioned nephews, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, combined nephew-uncle contingent three right just, there. Three just healthy, corn-fed boys yeah, dude, just yeah. helping their uncle fight the Romans. Yeah, just some country nephews. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> he was with uh, some other petty kings on the island of Britain. So a massive pitched battle occurred in which Julius Caesar himself fought on the field. Uh, which is also unlikely, and also interestingly, Geoffrey refers to him as emperor, at least in this Thorpe translation. Now, Geoffrey tells the story of how Caesar got into a sword fight with a Briton named Nennius and lost his sword to Nennius, who then got it and used it so well that everyone who he swung it at lost their head or were otherwise killed. This is more bullshit, of course, as the Roman gladius with a thrusting sword, um, and it was not a sword used in swordplay like was more common in Geoffrey's medieval era. Yeah, the way they, he says were, they didn't they do, were, like, they sword were, fighting like we've Yeah, exactly. Before. You just stood there and you stabbed people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, From around your big-ass shield. Yeah, exactly. But he's he literally paints this battle like it's a, like a medieval battle. Right. With, like, knights swinging their swords back and forth. <clears throat> so, eventually, the Britons repulsed the Romans, who fled back to Gaul. Now, in Caesar's telling in his commentary, he defeated various combined forces of British tribes before Cassivellaunus surrendered and paid tribute before Caesar crossed back to Gaul. Geoffrey claims Cassivellaunus first gave thanks to God, and Louis Thorpe is quick to note Cassivellaunus was, of course, a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the footnotes I just like really oh, loved while reading it. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I know that you haven't been born yet, but yeah. It's but like 50 thank BCE. You. Like, thank you, Jesus, for this gift. Yeah. I thank hope, you, sweet I hope one day when you come. Eight, eight pounds, ten ounce, baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, sick reference, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Nennius would die from his wounds by Caesar and be buried with Caesar's sword, which they named the Yellow Death, since, quote, no man who was struck by it escaped alive. <laughs> uh, Caesar then had to put down a rebellion in Gaul by bribing the Gauls back into passivity. Caesar then planned another invasion, and Cassivellaunus prepared for the invasion. One of the ways was by planting iron spikes in the Thames that would get uh, that would gut Caesar's ships. Thorpe notes that traces of these stakes can still be seen uh, cased in lead and as thick as a man's thigh in the riverbed. <laughs> the stakes worked and destroyed Caesar's fleet, with his remaining men running to ground with him for refuge. Again, the Romans were defeated, and Caesar fled back to Gaul. Now, you know, those stakes, obviously, I guess, are there, but, I mean... I guess we don't really know, <laughs> right. you know, when they were put in or, or what they were used for. Uh, but Thorpe does say that they're there. So the Britons rejoiced and threw a massive party on the island, sacrificing tons of animals to the gods. And then some na- nephew magic occurred in a wrestling competition. Uh, so I'm just I'm just picturing like the end of Star Wars Episode One mm-hmm. at this point. So the king's nephew uh, Herelgdas 
had his head lopped off by Culinus, the nephew of Duke Androgius, himself a nephew of the king. So we just got like tumbling nephew nephews on nephew right here. crime, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just yeah, the warring of the nephews. So Androgius did not <laughs> want to give up Culinus, and the king ravaged his lands until Androgius sought the help of Caesar. Okay. So. Yeah, so Androgius wrote a letter to Caesar that includes such reassuring lines, essentially saying, Yo, I know I fought you before, but the king's being a dick over some nephew mischief, whereas nephew may have had his head lopped off during a wrestling match with my nephew. But if you land here in Britain and help me depose him, you can be master of Britain, and I will be restored to honor. For real, this isn't treachery. I would not dream of it. <laughs> and Caesar was like, nah, that sounds like treachery. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was reluctant, and so Androgius sent his own son and, like, 12 other nobles as hostages. Yeah, that, that absolutely smacks of treasury. Treasury? Treachery. <laughs> treasury. <laughs> that absolutely smacks of treasure. Mm, yeah. Agreed, yes. <laughs> mm, yes, quite. <laughs> mm, yes, treasure, as you said. Yeah. Uh, so Caesar, for a third time, landed on the island, and Casavallanus, who is besieging some territory, uh, immediately peeled off the siege and went to meet Caesar on the battlefield while Androgius lay in ambush. The plan worked, and Casvalanus fled the battle in retreat while being harangued by Caesar and Androgius until he was sieged atop a hill. Jeffrey writes, quote, Since he could not conquer the king by force of arms, his plan was to reduce him by hunger. How remarkable the British race was at that time. Twice it had put to flight the man who had subjected to his will the entire world. Even now, when driven off the battlefield, the Britons went on resisting the man whom the whole world could not withstand. They were ready to die for their fatherland and for their liberty. Sounds sounds about right. Yeah, so yeah, he's just, just jerking off the British there. Yeah. Uh, so Cassivellaunus begged Androgius to make peace between them and Caesar. And so Androgius begged Caesar to end the slaughter, and the Britons would pay yearly tribute to Caesar. Caesar agreed, spent the winter in Britain became friends with Cassivellaunus, and left in the spring for Gaul, and then marched to Rome to attack Pompey. Uh, Sancho has come to contribute. Oh, awesome. Hey, Sancho. What's going on, Sancho? What kind of seltzer are you drinking, by the way, now that we have our little intermission here? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm drinking a Waterloo watermelon. Oh, very nice. You got yeah. some Waterloos? Yeah, uh, my roommate went to... Um, went to... Uh, Christmas tree shops and they have it there, so, oh. including the strawberry. We got some strawberries, so I've been smelling nice. those this week. I've got uh, one of my absolute favorites, Wegman's Dragon Fruit Berry, Ooh. which is an absolute slapper. This nice. is a very good flavor. Yeah. Nice. I'm happy for you. Dude, Wegman's seltzers are top Never tier. had. There's no Wegman's around here. I'll bring I'll bring you some Wegman's. I'll bring you some nice. uh, yeah, Dragon, Dragon Fruit, Fruit Berry, and I'll bring you... Their ginger is awesome. Do you like ginger yeah. seltzer? All right. It, I, I don't dislike it. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, but they're real, they're real showstopper. They do a, a black cherry vanilla that is Oh, like, nice. Yeah, I would like that one. It's absolutely gangster. It's very good. I would like that one. All right. Uh, so moving right along. Uh, so Androgius would go back to Rome with Caesar. And so when Casavellanus died, he would be succeeded by Tenvantius, the brother of Androgius. Now, Cymbeline, Tenvantius's son, would succeed after being reared in the court of Augustus. Cymbeline loved the Romans and had a great relationship with them and so happily continued paying tribute. His son, Guiderius, refused to pay, and so the emperor Claudius launched another invasion of Britain from Rome. This is like, that's like a pretty quick 50-year jump there. Yeah, for sure. 
Oh, Even more, more than 50, dude. Yeah. I guess it's, <laughs> that's like a hundred year jump. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, well, no, Claudius lived at the same time as Augustus. He was just a kid. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, his, when he invaded, that was, like, what, like, 35? Oh, yeah. 30, something like that. So, yeah, maybe, like, 80 years, I guess. Yeah. Because it went from, like, Caesar to Claudius. That yeah. Big leap. Um, yeah, so uh, Claudius was getting owned by the Britons until his general, uh, one man named Lelius Hamo, who had learned <laughs> uh, British language and custom, disguised himself as a British soldier, snuck up to the king Guiderius, and murdered him, turning the tide of the battle. However, I fucking hate this name, Arvarargus, the brother <laughs> of Guiderius, took up his dead brother's mantle and rallied his men into defeating the Romans. While Claudius fled to his ship, Hamo fled to the southern coast and was killed trying to board a merchant ship. This place is called Southampton, after Hamo. Mm. Sure. Uh, finally, Claudius defeated Britain by proposing to marry his daughter, Genvissa, to Arvarargus, thus bringing the island back under Roman control. Supposedly, she was such a good lay that Arvarargus told Claudius they should found a city where they were married, and so Gloucester was founded. Mm. Uh, so eventually some dispute erupted between Vespasian and Arvarargus with some brutal battles. But Genvissa told everyone, um, uh, fucking told everyone, oh, man, I don't even know what my notes say there. <laughs> eventually some dispute erupted between Vespasian and Arvarargus with some brutal oh, battles. Oh, to chill, sorry. Uh, but Gen I, I accidentally wrote child in my notes, folks. Mm. Uh, so Genvissa told everyone to chill, and they sent their troops over to Ireland. So, again, this is just where the British just send all the people they don't want to Ireland. Yeah, it's like story. the original Australia. Yeah. Um, so, I have no clue what this means that they sent their troops over to Ireland. They just go there. I don't know. I guess to beat mm. up some IRA uh, IRA folks. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Troubles Part 1. Yeah, 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 the early Troubles. Uh, but then the winter passed and Vespasian returned to Rome with everything being copacetic. So... Arvarargus would rule for a while longer before dying and being buried in Gloucester. He was succeeded by his son Marius. I guess you know, no relation to the no relation. Roman Marius. So Geoffrey then describes how the Picts came from Scythia and were led by a man named Sodric. They warred with Marius until Sodric died, and Marius settled the Picts in Albany, but lacking women, they went to Ireland and grabbed a bunch of Irish women, and that's how the Scots came about. Nice. <laughs> So but really, yeah. they're just a bunch of Scythian Spaniards. Yeah. Yep. Cool, man. Yeah. So, uh, so Marius was succeeded by his wide, a uh, wise son, not wide son, wise son, Coilus. <laughs> his big wide son, Coilus. Yeah, his large adult son, dude, uh, Coilus, <laughs> who is succeeded by his in-kind son, Lucius, also wise. Uh, who converted himself and quickly the entirety of the island to Christianity. This is like mm. near like 100. Uh, there is no corroboration that Lucius was real or that the Britons converted to Christianity at this time, being in the 2nd century CE. But uh, it was an account popularized by St. Bede in the 8th century. Although st of the story of Lucius personally converting, not the whole island, just personally, dates back to the 6th century. Is that the venerable Bede? Yes, that is the Bede. Bede. Yeah. Nice. Yep. The uh, the Saint Bede. He went on to start the Beatles. That's what. Yeah. That's how the Beatles started. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, so Lucius eventually dies, and then Geoffrey gives a confusing tale of a war with Rome, where he is seemingly unaware of the Antonine Wall having been built after the Hadrian Wall. Mm. 
Um, and then it says Lucius died in 156 CE, but supposedly Severus, who wouldn't rule for another 35 years. At this point, Severus is like 14 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but he says Severus, who is emperor, traveled to get them back under control, quote, once the fact of the death of Lucius was known in Rome. So unless it took like four decades <laughs> for a word to get to Rome, I, I, it's just this is where it really gets fucking confusing. Yeah. And where it's also like at this like you know there's a you know there's a lot of written material about the Roman Empire at this time. <laughs> yeah. You would yeah. think you would have double checked some of this info but maybe it was lost. Maybe only the Muslims knew about it at that I time. I think it would have been hard to Yeah, I mean that's true. A lot of this yeah. stuff was lost to posterity and and was yeah. even a lot of like the ancient Greek philosophers and stuff like that were yeah. all kept alive in the Muslim world. Yeah, um, exactly. During and the, basically the, uh, the like Europe, age. Europe was just uh, full of Full of fucking dummies. Yeah, just fucking sheep milkers. Over here just milking sheep, just hugging <laughs> sheep udder all day. And just dude. being like, oh, well, you know, I'm from Southampton, so maybe it's where Hamill's from. cut it out. Don't even, that's, <laughs> don't even do that. Sound like a fucking, you're like you're tugging sheep teat. <laughs> Making me nervous. Uh, so, all right, so after a while, the story passes to Severus' sons, Geta and Caracalla. Mm. Although Jeffrey names Caracalla as Bassianus, despite uh, Caracalla being named officially Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, uh, Bassianus was his birth was his birth name as Lucius Septimius Bassianus. Um, so he claims Caracalla was half British on his mother's side, and was only half brothers with Geta. Hmm. Although this is just like simply not true, as Caracalla's mother was Roman Syrian and also was Geta's mother. Although, Jeffrey, you know, they said that they had different mothers. Yeah, he just liked that better. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, a man named Carousius was granted military power from Rome to defend the coast of Britain. Uh, he rallied the island together and kicked the Romans out by defeating Caracalla in battle. However, the real Carousius did successfully rebel against Rome and become emperor of Britain and northern Gaul, but that was around 70 years after Caracalla's death. Mm. So that's when, like, the empire fractured. Yeah, you had, I was like, going to say, the, um, I, I remember the this. The Gallic Empire and, um, was it, uh, the, what was the one in the east? Oh, gosh, um, the, they were around for a while. Yeah. The Pal, Pal I don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't remember either, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, all right, so where are we at? Okay, so... A Roman reaction against this treason occurs, and Carousius is killed, but the Romans successfully repelled with one Asclepiodotus ruling the island. Uh, with no mention of when it came back under Roman rule, Diocletian begins persecuting the Christian island with help from Maximian. The two nearly eradicated Christianity from the island. So there goes that. Mm. Eventually, Cole takes over as king, and Constantius, that's Constantius Chloris from earlier, mm -hmm. uh, is sent to resubjugate the islands. I can't stress enough how confusing this timeline of, uh, of events is, as unclear in Jeffrey's history when the island isn't, is, isn't under Roman control. Like, seemingly, it's under control, and then he talks about how the Romans are conquering it. Mm -hmm. In, like, two sentences, back to yeah. back. It, it became, like, really difficult to follow, follow exactly the narrative here. What? No, I can't even imagine... Yeah, and then uh, he keeps seemingly anachronistically placing known Roman figures too, mm. which just like really adds to it because he's just like, like he's just peppering celebrity guest appearances. Into right, story. and it's like you know I I have a, you know some knowledge of Roman history and mm -hmm. when certain famous Romans lived, and when you think that you're in the year two hundred and then you hear 
about people who wouldn't exist for like another 80, 100 years. Yeah. But you're still seemingly in the year 200. It gets very, you get all backwards. Oh, yeah. So now Geoffrey claims that Constantius became king of Britain and took a British princess's wife named Helen, the daughter of Cole, with whom he had his son, the future Roman Emperor Constantine. This is, of course, again, not true. As Constantine's mother, Helen, it was a lowborn Greek, not mm. a British princess. I guess those are about the same at this period of time, though. But, sure. Hey. <laughs> Crooked Greek. Uh, yeah. So Geoffrey claimed Constantine became king of Britain, which is again wrong as he was a military man that eventually rose to co-emperor, indeed ruling Britain, but as Caesar, a title given to him not from his father, uh, but from Galerius, and he also ruled Gaul and Spain. Constantine would then march on Rome and became sole emperor after defeating Maxentius. Yeah, Constantine rocks. Yeah, he's cool. I we like should him a lot. absolutely just do an episode about Constantine. That would probably have to be two. So we go oh, easily two. <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, a uh, a Briton named wait, is uh, yeah okay. So eventually, a Briton named Octavius would take the island as his kingdom from Rome during the reign of Gratian and Valentinian II. Uh, upon his death, a succession crisis unfolded. Excuse me. You're excused. Uh, it was decided. Thank you. It was decided that Octavius uh, would have the Roman senator Maximianus, who was half Briton again, uh, marry his daughter. Maximianus was said to be a nephew of King Cole and a descendant of Constantine. After he slaughtered some Franks on the way to Britain, he landed on the island and was initially at first assumed an invader, but after a tense standoff, he married the king's daughter and became the new king as Octavius was going senile. Mm. At first, a Briton named Conanus that hoped to become king rose up in rebellion. After a brutal war, the two sued for peace and after some years invaded Gaul, first taking the Armorican Peninsula, which is also known as Brittany. They planned to conquer all of Gaul, genocide the inhabitants, and populate it with Britons. Like, they straight up were like, yeah, we're going to kill all these Gauls and then bring some nice British folks in here. Mm -hmm. um, in this, they were successful. And Maximianus uh, even killed the Emperor Gratian and drove Valentinian out of Rome. Despite Maximianus conquering all of Gaul, he now found an uprising of Gauls and Aquitanians harassing Cananus, who had been uh, risen to a kingship in Armorica. So again, this is another like saucy little note by Thorpe. Uh, he notes the contradiction here in the story of Maximianus conquering all of Gaul, but apparently now having his mainland stronghold under assault by Gaul. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Conanus uh, persevered and ordered more British women be brought over to populate, and as well as more troops be brought over. However, they were waylaid in a storm and crashed into the coast of Germany and were taken by the Picts and the Huns. Most of everybody was killed, with some of the women being taken. Another L for the ladies. Uh, so the island being unguarded now, the Picts and Huns under Wanius and Melga invaded and <laughs> slaughtered their way through the countryside until Maximianus sent a couple legions to take it back and drive the invaders to Ireland. Poor Ireland. Just mm. sending all the unwanteds. Yeah. Uh, Maximianus was then killed in Rome and the freedmen sent to reconquer Britain, also named Gratian, no relation to the dead emperor, became king before being assassinated because he was a jerk. Now, the story is obviously massively embellished, and many details changed, as is Jeffrey's custom, but there is some truth in what he says. This is basically Jeffrey recounting a highly editorialized version of Magnus Maximus. He usurped the Western Empire from Gratian in 383, and he killed Gratian, mm -hmm. uh, and then he ruled Gaul, Hispania, Africa, and Britannia until he invaded Italy and was defeated in battle by Valentinian. 
uh, he surrendered and was executed, uh, Rome would have trouble ever getting a foothold again in northern Gaul and Britannia. Mm. So there's some truth in what he said. Now, at this point, Britain just keeps getting invaded by other peoples, and so the Romans bailed the island out once more before finally alerting them that they would be recalling the legions stationed there, and Britain would have to defend themselves as Rome refused to be, quote, importuned on land and sea for the sake of a cowardly pack of vagabond freebooters. Mm. My people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds about right. Yeah. Um, Never so has gonna... there been a more cowardly pack of vagabond freebooters as the British. Yeah. So now, um, <clears throat> I'm going to read, it's a, kind of a long paragraph, but I really liked it um, after this when Rome is just like, yo, fuck you dorks. Okay. All right, so... The moment the Romans said goodbye and went away, apparently never to return, the enemies whom I have mentioned reappeared once more from the ships in which they had sailed off to Ireland. They brought with them other companies of Scots and Picts, with Norwegians, Danes, and all the rest whom they had under command, and seized the whole of Albany up to the wall. Once the departure of those who had supported the Britons became known, and the fact that they had sworn never to return, the invaders pressed on even more confidently than before with their devastation of the island. In opposition to them, slow-witted peasants were posted on the top of the walls, men useless in battle, who were unable even to run away for the very palpitation of their bellies, and who shook with fear through the days and nights on top of their stupid perches. Meanwhile, the enemy continued to ply their hooked weapons, dragging the miserable plebs down from the walls with them so that they were dashed to the ground. The very suddenness of the death they endured was a stroke of luck to those who were killed in this way, for by their immediate execution they avoided the miserable torments which awaited their brothers and their children mm. metal so shit's not going good for britain no 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 we're leaving off on sort of a cliffhanger here yeah milk sheep and, uh, uh sheep milking time is over absolutely time yeah. to drop the teat of your sheep and pick up your swords time to hammer those plowshares into blades yep and um they would beg the romans again for help and receive none hmm and that's the end of that. Their text was left on red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was left on it's red. Like our, yeah. It's like our name. Yeah, that's the name, folks. This book sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, dude. I, so I'm following right along with everything you're saying. I am left yeah. so confused by this history, quote unquote, of Britain. Um, it is baffling. There's a lot of fun stuff in there, but it is, it is truly, it is truly nuts. There's yeah. just, there's just so much going on and so many names. You're right, yeah. and. Uh, and, like, sometimes Jeffrey just gets into wicked fucking long, like, paragraph descriptions of just people being hacked to fucking bits and shit. Well, he, like, knows, he knows what the readers want. Yeah. The hack and then slash and then hack. Yeah, and they want, exactly. They want to hear about, like, the... at me. And then, and then 
Gallimaldus ripped the tits off of the Picts, and then <laughs> and then Dino Malamomnos came, and he and he said every every third man, I'm gonna peel his dick like a banana, and then he did it, guys, and then and then the Trojans came, and they no, took the all the giants and they boiled them into a pot until they turned into, and that's how spaghetti sauce was invented, and and yeah. and then guess what? Guess what? You didn't see this coming. But the Huns are back, and now all of their horses have lasers for eyes. And and then the Revolutionary War happens, and George Washington fights yeah. Julius Caesar in a in steel me- cage <laughs> grudge match yeah. to see who will be the king of Spain. Yeah, meanwhile, you know, King Mark Duke uh, eats some Pictish nipple soup. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Well, that's a delicacy. Now you're just making yeah. fun of my culture. Nipple soup is good. <laughs> yeah. It's nipple soup, haggis, and oatmeal. Yeah. And those, those are the yeah, traditional yeah. foods yeah. of Scotland. That, that's a full Scottish breakfast. Yeah. yeah. They don't call it nipple soup, though. A Sunday night fry up. They call it Killigan Spank. <laughs> but it's nipple soup. Yeah, it's Pictish nipple soup, yeah. Yeah. Seasoned liberally with sheep's milk. Okay, yeah, milk. anyway. Uh, so, so, yeah, so that is uh, parts two and three of the history of the kings of Britain. Well, that's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is, this is wild. I'm, I'm ready for part, part three, but, uh, but yeah, I got to say I, I have no idea what's going on. I, yeah, I, I've got I've got something else planned for my next one. Yeah, um, as an uh, interlude, we'll uh, take so a little, a little departure. Bit current events for some of the stuff that's going on south of the border. Mm. Um, and then uh, yeah, I'll probably be back um, in about uh, I guess about a month with sure. um, part three. Yeah, sounds good. Yep. Nice. Well. That's I, I do not envy you the uh, the task of having parsed through this this long and and stupid, stupid book, but I am yeah. glad that you've done the work and that I yeah, now so. know about Gloigan, Ignigen, Udis, Gwenlian, Glo- Guarded, yeah. Angarad, Gwenlado, Tungastel, Gorgon, Medlin, Methandalo, Orar, Melor, Kemberda, Reagan, Gale, Ecub, Nest, Chain, Stadud. Yeah. Caldus, Bebrin, Blangan, Abalak, Gangos, Galles, Cedra, Anor, Stadiald, and Egrin. And that was all from memory, And don't memory, forget, Rudhud Hudibras. Yeah, Rudhud Hudibras. <laughs> Love that fucking name. Yeah, oh. so the next part that I do is going to be, um, I, I guess, the House of Constantine, even mm-hmm. though we've already talked about Constantine. Yeah. Uh, the Prophecies of Merlin, and then back to the House of Constantine. And then part four will be um, King Arthur. Cool, that'll be fun. King Arthur's fun. And then fun. the Saxon Domination. So, All right. King Arthur. Sweet. So you heard it here, folks. We are not done with this yet. Your <laughs> your prayers have been answered, and there will be much, much more. We're not even at the halfway mark. All right. Okay, you are. We're at the halfway. We're at the halfway mark, folks. You heard it here first from well, me actually, first. Actually, hold on. The next one is maybe more. I want more on Rude Hood Hudibras. Dude, I wish there was more. Yeah, yeah, we're like, yeah, we're like halfway through. Yeah. All right, well, that's good. Rude hood Hudibras. Rude hood Hudibras. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, folks. So, thank you for listening. Mm. Uh, if you have enjoyed this, please uh, give us a, a five star rating on Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and leave a review. 
Sure. And, um, you know, tell tell your friends, your family, your uncle, your nephew. Um, got your, another uncle or another nephew. Tell them. Your brand new dad that you just bought. Yep. Yeah. Your new your new uh, lawn mowing dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. On the next edition of Left Unread. Bye. Bye.